She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, I'm super excited to introduce to you Dr. Keisha. So welcome, Dr. Keisha. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I have a PhD in sexology. I'm a nurse practitioner, um, and I'm also board certified in functional medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, and then I'm trained in several different, five different modalities for trauma healing, so psychotherapy also, as well as energy work and uh, yoga and meditation teaching. So how long have you personally been doing intermittent fasting and what made you decide to start it? I went up on a mountain in Colorado with the Lakota Sioux Native American to do a vision quest with them about three years ago for the first time. And in that process, you don't eat and you don't drink for four days and four nights. And, you know, when I came back and talked a little bit about it. Some of my functional medicine colleagues were really upset about me talking about it and saying, uh, I remember particularly uh, Dr. Alan Christensen responding on my Facebook page, uh, this is dangerous. Why are you talking about it? You know, and and saying, you know, actually, Muslims have been doing this for centuries for Ramadan. You know, it's it's a spiritual um, doorway into being able to have your body become lighter and your digestive system being able to be quiet so that you can actually get more in touch with spirit. And it was the most remarkable experience. I couldn't, you know, I've worked with plant medicines and a lot of other things spiritually and intermittent, I mean, not intermittent, but uh, dry fasting, you know, for those four days actually got me to that place, but it was in the supportive community of this tribe with prayer and fat and, and their own fasting and drumming, you know, that was going on down below. And so I came home and I said, you know, the reason for doing this was not weight loss. It was for spirituality. And I wouldn't try this at home. You know, So I, I was really careful to say it's, it's very supported with this community. And then I've done that a couple of other times since, and I always have the most remarkable experience. And so be, I went in through the portal of rather than autophagy or looking at weight loss or looking at the bodily function, more of a spiritual path, and then had that experience and then started studying it as things were starting to come out and the research, um, you know, from the, the medical perspective. So it's sort of a, a more, an interesting doorway that I entered through. So when you were doing the four days of an extended fast, were you doing it dry where you didn't have water either? Yeah. Which again, I would not, I would say, don't try that at home, you know, because this is, this was done in the, in the support of a community, right? That was actually more focused on a, a visions for, you know, for your, it was a rite of passage. So uh, there was a whole different purpose to it. So it, it, it made it feel different than fasting that I do on a regular basis. Awesome. So let's talk about that dry fasting for just a second, because that has really started to get more and more popular. And so for people who don't know what dry fasting is, explain it and talk about what is the benefits that dry fasting gives you 
versus doing a water fast? Well, dry fasting is as it sounds, you're not having any liquids in addition to no food. And the benefits of it, you know, the way that I explain fasting to my patients is I'm, I'm sitting in my office and I say, if my office manager walks to the door repeatedly handing me charts and asking me questions and interrupting me for phone calls while I'm talking to you, my patient, then I'm not going to be very efficient. And you're also not going to feel like I'm giving you very much attention. Well, that's exactly, you know, for time immemorial, as far back as we can go, different frameworks of medicine have said that health begins and ends in the digestive system. So what happens when you're fasting is you're actually giving your digestive system a much needed break. So instead of interrupting it constantly with throwing food down there, it can actually do its other job. So the, the body is this most amazing, miraculous feat of engineering. And we keep interrupting one of the most important jobs that it has, which is digestion, by just like flooding it, you know, constantly interrupting it. And so what fasting does is it allows for that rest to happen so that all of the other, like the garbage man can come, the lymphatic and take the little garbage sacks away that the cells put on the outside of the membrane at night, you know, and, but if you've actually put food in at night, then it, it can't get anywhere. The streets are blocked and the little limp, you know, uh, garbage trucks can't get around. And then if you are putting food down there, then the liver, which is supposed to actually do it clearing, at, you know, between two and three in the morning also is consumed with having to deal with actual food that just got put down there rather than clearing out and doing some of the deep cleaning that's supposed to happen in the middle of the night for you. So dry fasting allows for everybody to have a break and do that. You know, we do this in our houses. We like to, at least I do, I like to just like dive in and scrub and deep clean every once in a while. I, I don't do it all the time. And when I do that, I sit back and I just love being in the space. You know, it's, oh, so clean and so orderly and I can think and I can function and every part of me spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically gets in harmony. Well, that's exactly Ayurvedic medicine says that we're a microcosm of the macrocosm of our environment. So what's going on outside of us when we feel good, that's actually exactly on a cellular level what's happening too. You can think about dry fasting as the deepest cleaning that you can do. I love it. And and people might not know, but there's actually, there's kind of something called like a hard fast and kind of a soft fast when it comes to dry fast. And with a hard dry fast, that means that you can't allow any water to touch the body. So that means like you're not washing the dishes, you're not taking a bath, you're not taking a shower, you're not brushing a teeth, your teeth. But a softer dry fast is where like you can brush your teeth, you can take a shower, you can do all those things, but you're actually not just drinking any water. So when you were there with those four days, like did you, were you doing a dry, a hard fast, hard dry fast or a soft dry fast? You know, when you're in a vision quest, you're in the middle of you know, well, in my case, I was in the middle of a pine forest. And so, and you're in, you're in just a small kind of enough to lay what you could lay a, a sleeping bag down in. And then you have prayer flags around you, prayer ties. 
and that's it. So you're not going anywhere. So there's no water anywhere on you or in you. I suppose if it started raining on you, then you it wouldn't be a hard drive house anymore. Oh yeah, that's true. No. But it's so. <laughs> I've heard that the the dry fast doesn't, you know, obviously fasting so good for eliminating parasites, but that a dr- doing a dry fast helps eliminate parasites even better, and it promotes regeneration of healthy tissues a little bit better. Have you found that to be true? So I'm going to dive into areas that are never talked about when fasting is brought up, um, and that is Ayurvedic medicine. So Ayurvedic medicine is the 10,000-year-old sister science of yoga, and it talks about each of us being very different from one another, and that is so accurate. We are different from one another, and there's just absolutely no way that you can have a rule of thumb like that that says, if you do this, this will happen, mm-hmm. and then this is good for everybody. So the way that you think about it from an Ayurvedic perspective, um, you and I, actually, fasting is really good for us. Our body type um, really appreciate having everything taken away for a while um, and having that break. Uh, We have a kapha pitta body type or pitta kapha, which means that we have a little bit more water in our tissues anyway and um, a lot of fire in us. So that means like very intelligent, very sharp-witted, can be sharp-tongued, can be quite, you know, uh, uh, judgmental on ourselves, and then it can leak out onto other people, and then also very loyal and very warm and very loving, like the best friends the lovers to have are the kapha people. But what's going on in a kapha body is that there's more water already. It's you know, Ayurvedic medicine is an elemental framework of medicine, which means it's it's everything that makes up the universe is inside of us. And so for kapha, there's more earth and water. So we already have that deeply in us as it is. So we can actually go like an elephant can without for a long time and be okay. Now, a vada person, which is made of more air and space, there's this Easy little mini that um, are the life of the party, social butterfly. They they bounce around and they have a, they flip from one thing to another. They have a hard time sitting still. They can get kind of ADD like, and um, they are very dry. So if you had somebody do a so called hard fast, that's a vada person. They you know they're the ones that are running the high risk of fainting, you know, of really not doing well and crashing because their tissues already don't have very much moisture. And the older they get, when we we have, these are called doshas, like the body types. We have a dosha-specific time of of life, of day, you know, of season. And so the vata time of life is menopause and beyond or andropause and beyond. So the closer that somebody gets, to menopause or andropause, that's a vada already. And then they're going into vada stage of life. And then if it's fall or winter and very dry, then, and you have them do a hard fast like that, they can actually have some fairly serious damage. So it, it's really wise to know, like, know who you are constitutionally and what's good for you rather than what it says on paper. 
Awesome. Well, I know you specialize in autoimmune issues, and I want you to talk to us a little bit about what are the autoimmune issues that you're seeing that people are coming to you with the most, and how has fasting helped them? So there are over 150 autoimmune diseases now. And people don't often realize that like restless legs is autoimmune and uh, Raynaud's, you know, when you get really cold hands, feet and your nail beds turn blue is Raynaud's. So the most frequent diseases of an autoimmune nature that I see are going to be like that because people don't even know that they have them. Hashimoto's, I see a lot of rheumatoid arthritis and MS. I see a lot of osteoporosis, which again has been reclassified as uh, autoimmune. I see a lot of gut things like ulcerative colitis and uh, Crohn's and irritable bowel. I see a lot of skin things, eczema and psoriasis, um, rosacea. All of these things are autoimmune in nature. So, uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, so many. And all of them, actually, depending on the dosha type. So one of the things that Ayurveda talks about is that autoimmune disease is undigested anger. Oh, my gosh, that changed my life and my own path. You know, I had rheumatoid arthritis when I was 30, and I was able to reverse it within six months. But it was because I found that statement and went, what? I'm not an angry person, <laughs> you know, and, and then realized over time that as I was really doing research and figuring out this body, right, and this mind and this heart and this spirit, that, oh, I should feel angry that I had sexual abuse when I was 10 and I've never actually dealt with this and, and I've never been angry about it. And of course, my body has taken it on and has not digested it, right? And so as soon as I was able to start that process of trauma healing and learning how to really digest feelings and emotions the same way that I do food, then I was able to reverse it. So one of the things that inter that intermittent fasting or um, any kind of fast, actually water fasting will do in an autoimmune situation is it helps to reduce inflammation and inflammation is a lot of fluid in the tissues that's why if you have like a, a wrist inflammatory problem it'll get red it'll get swollen it'll get angry and inflamed is because there's a lot of water in there and so what the fasting does when you're reducing the water also is it helps to reduce that water in the tissue kind of squeeze it out like a sponge but the thing that must go with it is the other digestion, right? It's the digestion of emotions and feelings and beliefs at the same time. So had I just done fasting, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere because I tried all kinds of things with food and water and, you know, and, and adjusting all of these times of intake and everything. But it wasn't until I actually started healing up my beliefs that I put in place from that abuse time, the, the beliefs that I created was I had to be perfect to even survive. That's my vice principal was telling me it was my fault. And so if I kept, like if I fasted perfectly, right? And I had that meaning of I have to be perfect to survive. And then I applied that to fasting and diet and all the other pieces. Then I would still be whipping myself and driving myself in this way that didn't involve self-compassion and self-love and, and healing that needed to happen from these early traumas. 
And so what, how I help my patients with this now is to use fasting as a vehicle, not the end game. So, so fasting is not as you are fasting with food and drink, you're also fasting with the way that you think about yourself. You're fasting the toxic belief patterns. You're fasting from your negative self-talk. And you start to digest your emotions as your liver is able to digest the toxins in your body because you don't have food going in. It's really like that combination is essential for, wow. for healing autoimmune disease. Let's just take a minute and let's talk about my latest discovery. Listen, this is the hottest super nutrient packed product that's going to boost your brain and your overall well-being. First of all, as soon as I tried this product, I became a fan of it and was blown away by the immediate result. I felt focused. My mind was clear. It just doubled my mental performance. So this product has the superpowers of mushroom extracts and collagen. So it has four of the best health-boosting mushrooms. It's got lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi collagen and Peruvian cacao. So when you combine all of these, the four mushrooms and the collagen, it is going to energize your brain and your body. It's called Kala Genius. So check it out, newtopia.com slash wasteawaygenius and use the code wasteaway10 during checkout. Well, I love that you said that. And, you know, in my podcast that I do, I have people send in questions. And one of the things I've seen with the questions is people say things like, you know, when I'm fasting, I start, I feel like I'm crying more and I'm a lot more emotional and I'm a lot more sensitive. And one of my friends, Kristen, she has this line that she always says she's a, a counselor. And she says, you need to sit with unease to heal your disease. I'll That's say it again. So true. Isn't that good? But you need yes. to sit with unease to heal your disease. And what fasting does, and I love that you brought this point up because what fasting does, what happens is because we're running to food all the time, right? It's like, oh, I'm sad. Let me have a cookie. Oh, I'm I'm having a stressful day at work. Let me have a pan of brownies. And so we're just masking it with food. And what happens is the minute that we start fasting, we start feeling these emotions and we don't, our crutch of trying to mask it is the food. And now all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, I have to sit with this unease. But guess what? When you sit with the unease, that's when you're actually going to heal your disease. And so I love that you, you talked about that with the trauma. Um, I used to run an interface youth group years ago. And one of the things that I had my, the teenagers that were in my group do is when we would go visit, this is how come I know about Ramadan. And when we would go visit the moth, we actually would, would adhere to Ramadan with our Muslim friends and go for a month without eating when there's any light. Right. And it was remarkable what the kids came away with. You know, it was like, wow, I had no idea. I spent so much time thinking about what I'm going to put in my mouth, you know, like food and drink. And, and it frees you up. You know, I had one teenage girl say, gosh, 
at the lunch hour, you know, I actually can go and I can meditate instead of eating. And I feel so much better for the rest of my day at school. And they were just so struck by how much time we spend in consuming, thinking about shopping, thinking about eating, thinking about drinking, you know, and our next experience. And it's all about consumption rather than just resting and letting go of things. We just don't have any space in there that we automatically are letting go of things, right? And so that's what fasting is so good for is it frees up a remarkable number of brain cells, <laughs> a remarkable number of them. Yeah. So you actually have time for being, and this is one of the things, like I did a, a 10 day Vipassana retreat, which is a silent meditation retreat. And, and, you know, again, you're not allowed to write in a journal or read a book or be on your phone or they take your phone. You know, you, you don't even do yoga or practice energy work. You know, you're just constantly in this space of meditation. And what I said is it's like 20 years of psychotherapy. You never knew you needed because you're just with you, yourself and you. There's no break from you. And so then all the stuff gets a chance to come up so you can digest it. And it's beautiful. You know, 20 years of psychotherapy, you never knew you needed. And it's just you. It, you don't have to go anywhere. So it, it's a really beautiful process to really let go of consumption of all kinds, consuming the news, consuming, you know, whatever it is, right? Just letting go, having space inside of your day every day to let go and not consume. That is amazing. I will tell you a story. I had a guy, a friend of mine, his name's Jim, and um, he lived on the water and just had this beautiful house and we were over there and I, he had not worked in three years. And so I said to him, I was like, can I ask you, because he had sold his business and for like multi, multi millions of dollars. And so he just was like, I don't need to work. And he, I said, so like, what do you do all day? Like, don't you get bored? Like, what are you doing? He's like, I will tell you when it first happened, he's like, you know, I was busy. I was at work all the time. He's like, now I've fallen in love with being with myself. He's like, and that is a powerful thing because if you don't like being with you, that's a problem. Like you've got to get to the point where you love to be with yourself as well. And not that there's anything wrong with being with other people, but work on yourself to the place where you go, I really enjoy being with myself. And I thought, wow, that is really powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. And there are certain, um, I work with the Enneagram a lot, which is uh, a way of understanding our motivation. And, and I'm in, there are nine different ways our egos speak into the world. And we have like one that's sort of our command center. And I'm a two on the Enneagram, which is a caregiver. And care, you know, the, the twos always want to connect with everybody. They don't really like being alone. And over the years, as I've done these things like, you know, 10 day silent retreats and four day vision quests on the mountain and things like that, I've done exactly that. And, and at first I used to have to say to myself, you're all alone and you're okay. You're all alone and you're okay. Like I, it's just that basic, you know, soothing a small child that going, I'm all alone and I'm not okay, you know? And, and then I got to this place of, I love being alone because I'm really not. I'm with the divine, you know? And then I was just like, oh my gosh. 
And so it, it is really interesting when you start to learn to fall in love with yourself. I've said it that way too. Um, because you find it's not necessarily yourself, but it's actually the divine that's inside of you, the, yeah. the spirit part of you. And you realize you haven't ever been alone, never will be alone. And then you get to connect to that part. You can't do that when you're constantly chattering, when you're constantly engaged in like the consumption of everything, right? So I love that story. And it's it's a really powerful one. Awesome. Well, we know fasting is great for autoimmune disease and it can really help heal your body. But is there any other tips that you have seen that have really helped your patients? I know you've helped thousands of, of people help with their autoimmune uh, diseases and their issues and help improve those symptoms. So as far as like their diet and the, what they are eating when they are in their eating window and kind of supplements that you've said, you know, these things seem to really help people. Well, I do a lot of genetic testing. I do genetic testing on every one of my patients. And the reason for that, I do that in combination with a nutritional evaluation and an adrenal um, and hormone test on everybody. And the reason for that is, is because if you have adrenal fatigue, actually fasting in the morning is not so great and going to CrossFit, you know, like there are certain ways that your body will say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm already up against the wall and now you're taking away any fuel. I'm actually going to hold on to everything, right? It feels like it's a zebra being chased by a lion and then everything gets put on hold. So I, I always do these kinds of checks. You know, I always say test, don't guess, because you want to find out who you are and what your body's asking for. And so in terms of supplements, in terms of dietary uh, advice and things like that, I do it based on the data that comes from you individually. And I don't really have a way of saying that every single person should be doing this, you know, because we are very different. It's really know, know thyself, right? And, and the way to do that is, you know, to really get in there and see like what's the data. Um, one of the things that, again, I love about Ayurveda is that it does say that we're each different. And so in that case, then we want to know, you know, what, how to communicate with the body. And it gives us all these ways of communication, like watching what your bowel movements look like, looking at your tongue. In my book, Solving the Autoimmune Puzzle, I have these diagrams of your tongue and what a healthy tongue looks like, as opposed to if this is going on with your tongue, this is what could be happening. Oh, let's talk else? about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about those two things. Let's talk about your tongue. And um, Carrie, you want to look at mine? Yes. Get in there. Get it. Get it close to the camera. Here, let me see. And talk at the same time because then the picture gets made. <laughs> there we Again. go. Again. So you've got um, on the back of your tongue, you have a, a whitish coating. Okay. It's, when your your tongue is supposed to look pink with just saliva. Okay. And so if, as you look at the back of your tongue, the, the very back of your tongue is actually the digestive area. And again, that's what we're talking about is digestion, mm -hmm. right? And so putting ice in your drinks will shut down what we call agni or your digestive fire. And I know you live in Florida, right? No, I live in Virginia Beach, but I'm drinking ice water right now. Yeah. I, so, I, so a lot of people that live in, in warm areas will put ice in their drinks because they're used to having to cool off, right? And that actually will kill your digestive fire. So that's just like one thing uh, that you, you don't want to put ice in your drink. You don't want to put ice in your smoothies. You want to make sure that in the, the bottom time when everything is getting cold, 
that you actually are warming it up. So warm, soupy food, lightly cooked vegetables, or like in, um, I juice vegetables every morning and no matter what time of year, but in the winter time at this time when it's cold outside, I'll put a big chunk of ginger in my juicer too. And then that warms it up, right? That's really digestive fire enhancing. And so those are the kinds of things like sipping a little bit of warm lemon water before you eat instead of having ice will will help with that. Scraping your tongue. So you're doing things that are digestive enhancing. Okay. Got it. Wow. Um, and so you said, what about your nails? Like what what would your nails give us some examples of how your nails would talk to you about your health? So see my thumb there, you can see that that white moon half moon there at the cuticle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that actually means that i have good stomach acid mm -hmm. and so that's another one that is also that's agni it's your digestive fire right if you don't mm -hmm. have any half moons on your nails then it usually that's one sign of having low digestive fire if you have vertical ridges then it means you're not absorbing very well in your colon and um, if you are if your nails are splintering and flaking and breaking all the time and brittle that means something if there are white spots on it it means something with you you know so um the nail ought to be smooth and have those little half moons and no spots. awesome well would can we give that to the listeners as a gift maybe a free guide to the nails and the tongue of what that would say Actually, I'll give them, um, I have a face map about what your wrinkles say about you too. Oh, okay. So Ayurveda does all kinds of ways of communicating with you, right? And so on your face, like if I had a line right here, so I've never had Botox. That's another thing. When you have Botox, it's, it's hard, hard to tell. It's hard to do this, right? So um, if I had a line here, that would mean my liver needs to have a detox. Um, if I had really deep, deep lines around here, it would mean that I'm not absorbing very well. Um, let's see. If you have dark circles, like I don't have any makeup on except from my eyes and a little bit of lip gloss. So, it, so this is no foundation or anything. If I had these, if I had deep, dark circles here, it could mean that my kidneys are having a hard time or my adrenals are tired or that I've got some food sensitivity that I'm not paying attention to. Do you want to be able, like your skin ought to be something that you consider um, another breathing part of your body mm -hmm. that has to get rid of things and it has to bring in nourishment. It's the largest organ of detoxification that you have. Do you want to make sure that what you put on it, you can eat? So like I just, for moisturizer, I just use oil, sesame oil, because I could cook my food in, you know, it's the same kind, organic, cold pressed sesame oil. And I put some essential oils in it so I don't smell like a Chinese wok. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all that's on my face for moisturizer and on my skin. So you want to that you want to always just like pay attention to your skin and and uh, it's giving you feedback, right? Just like pain in your body is giving you feedback. Anything you get constipated, it's giving you feedback. You want to have a bowel movement that looks like a brown banana once or twice a day, and it's, you're in and out of the bathroom, easy to clean up after. You're not sitting in there reading a book. So that's, that's actually what good digestion looks like. You're emptying your trash, right? A couple times a day, so things can't build up in the first 
Well, speaking of emptying your trash, is there any tips that you can give that will help? Because we get, I think because I've talked about it so much because I am I am always constipated. It's something I've always struggled with. And so we get a lot of questions in about that because I think I've shared that several times. So talk about that because with fasting, you know, is that going to like once you start eating again, you know, let's say you did, let's say you did an extended fast of two days. After you got off that two-day fast, once you ate again, is that going to help things moving along or what is your opinion? Well, there are two answers that I want to bookmark one of them so that we come back to it and that is constipation itself. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the answer or the question you just asked is different, which is, this is really important. So this is another thing I learned in Ayurveda and we don't ever talk about this either. And that is that how you come off your fast is equally, if not more important, and how you did your fast. So you have to, so you go from, if you're dry fasting, then you go to water. And, and then from water, you would go to some kind of clear, like clear broth. And from clear broth, you move into, um, you can have like juice, vegetables or a smoothie, right? And then, and then soup. So you're always moving in this way that's waking up your digestion. You don't go, okay, cool. I had two days of fasting. I'm going to go have a burger and fries, right? And it's like your body's going to have whiplash. What that just happened here, you know? And so you, you always want to make sure that you're, you're lovingly reintroducing food, um, the way that I think about this is if the dog bites you, you don't just go right up to dog later and be like, hey, baby, you know, like people are pretty scared of dogs once they've had a dog bite. And and it, they, they want to know, like, is this dog safe, right? And they approach it carefully. And that's the way that, you know, you want to think about your food is you don't want to eliminate a bunch of um, meat, you know, you know, like keto and paleo are all the rage. And a lot of times people will interpret that as lots and lots of meat. And so then they'll go from a fast to a lot of meat. And that's really bad for your body. And actually it has just taken away the good things about your fast. So because your body is having to work extra hard now after what you just did to it. So it's it's really important that you gradually ease off of your fast. Then you're not going to be constipated. So, but if you throw meat down there on top of it after a fast, you will be constipated, you know, and then be like a boa constrictor with a rat in the middle of it. It's going to sit there for a while. So the question about constipation is, um, there are a couple of things. One is if you have, like I had mentioned earlier, these, you know, vata, pitta, kapha, these constitutional types. If you have a vata imbalance, one of the most uh, common signs of a vata imbalance is constipation. And with constipation, everything's dry and, and not moving. Now, the thing about moving waste out of your body, the action, the muscular action that is required for that is called peristalsis. And you don't have peristalsis if you're in fight or flight all the time. And a lot of times, type A people that are PETA and high achiever productivity type are in fight or flight all the time and they don't realize it. And so it. What I always say is, you know, if, if you are type A, you shut down your peristalsis. The other thing is, is you have a lot of emotional stuff that you haven't dealt with over the course of a lifetime. Sometimes people will say, I've had this since childhood. Like, this is just how I am. Then 
then it's usually because they haven't like literally constipation is holding onto your shit. So you can think about that emotionally too, right? It's like, mm. what are you holding on to? And so there, I approach it from all these different directions when I'm treating someone's constipation, as well as who's living in there. Do you have bugs? That's what everyone wants to think. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I have this. I have parasites. Therefore, you know, and mm-hmm. um, they'll treat them and treat them and treat them, and then they're still constipated. So, it uh, that's one element, right? We go from the the gross to the subtle. So the 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 gross would be like, who's living in there? What's going on? What are you putting down there? Does your digestive system work? And then back it out to more and more subtle. Then more and more subtle get out there to, okay, so what are you not processing? What are you not digesting Digesting in terms of emotions, beliefs, feelings, et cetera? Awesome. And last question, you were talking about the, in your, in your hands about having that little half moon um, because of low stomach acid. Do you, what is your opinion on like taking a supplement like HCL, which increases your stomach acid? If you don't have that half moon, are you a fan of that or not? Well, and my answer is the same. Everyone's different. And so what, uh, what I teach my health coaches to do, I, um, I teach the integrative medicine health coaching program at Academy for integrative medicine. And one of the things I do is I teach them right away about stomach acid and how to help their clients. And we have this thing, it's called a stomach acid challenge test. And um, I'm happy to give that handout as a gift. So what you do is you take, um, in my store, we have some betaine and pepsin. And I have people take one of those capsules with their next meal. And then I have them check in, like really sit still and listen to your body. Does it have heartburn? Is it upset with this? You know, and there'll be a variety of ways it'll show it's upset. You'll get atypical things for you, like um, heartburn or stomach pain or digestive stuff. And, you know, it'll be like acidic, right? Maybe gastroesophageal reflux. And so then I'll say, okay, so now stir some baking soda in water and just drink that. It will neutralize it. You don't need stomach acid. That's not the issue. If you don't get heartburn and you take that capsule and you don't feel anything, then with the next meal, you take two of those. And if you don't get heartburn, the next meal, you take three and the next meal, four. Uh, you max at five per meal. You don't keep going up and up and up. And you just stay there. Five every meal if you're not getting any kind of heartburn or change. I, When I first did this, I took five per meal for months. I was so chronically low in stomach acid. And this is something that happens as you age anyway. You know, as you get older, your stomach acid naturally decreases. It puts you at higher risk for all kinds of bad bugs like Heliobacter pylori. And so there, you know, stomach acid is essential for so many different functions in your body, not just breaking down your food, but it's also a a protective immune response too. So if you, if you keep going at five per meal, it means you have been really low in stomach acid for a really long time. Now, eventually I was able to cut back to four and I stayed at four for a really long time and then down to three. And some of this is genetic. Uh, my dad is on Prilosec. Okay. So that's a proton pump inhibitor. That's one of the most commonly prescribed pharmaceuticals out there. And the drug and, you know, the pharmaceutical industry makes so much money on proton pump inhibitors saying to people, you're low in stomach acid because you're having regurgitation. And one of the things I had to explain to my dad was, no, actually, that means you're low in stomach acid. 
And because when you throw food down there, you're low in stomach acid, your body's having to overproduce to deal with the food you're putting in there. And so now you're getting this, you know, this, this reflux. And so what we had to do is what I do with my patients is say, okay, so I need you to bridge and we're going to use betaine and pepsin. And sure enough, he was able to come off of his Prilosec. He didn't have an overabundance of stomach acid. He was deficient in it the whole time. So it, it's just a different, a whole different paradigm and way of thinking about things than, you know, matching the pill to the ill with this sort of, oh, if I'm having reflux, it means I'm having too much acid. That's, that's usually not really the case. Yeah, I know that is. And that is just such a great point to make because it's like, hello, having good stomach acid is really good for you. So well, it's essential. It's yeah, yeah, it's absolutely essential. So talk a little bit, you know, because if, if people are listening out there and they are dealing with, you know, low stomach acid, they, they might be having gas or bloating or acid reflux or constipation or diarrhea or malabsorption, or they might have nutrient deficiencies, like you said, that you can see on your nails. So what is the difference between someone taking betaine HCL versus just like a digestive enzyme? The digestive enzyme, that's really a question, is actually helping your pancreas because your pancreas produces enzymes for you to break down your food. So when you take a digestive enzyme, you're dealing with another, a different part of your digestive tract, not not stomach acid. Acid. So it's, yeah. it's crucial. They're you're different. Yeah. And you may not need, see, here's the thing. I don't need digestive enzymes and I no longer need any betaine and pepsin. So I do, when I said I do a nutritional test on everyone, it's a test that actually looks to see, are you making enough pancreatic enzymes? Are you, who's living in your gut? Are you absorbing the vitamins and minerals that you're taking in either in supplement form or in your food? You know, how well are you breaking down your carbohydrates, your proteins and your fats, and then using them? And do you have heavy metals on board? So I like doing this test yearly for everybody because it's a good check under the hood. Um, I find it far more powerful and useful than a general physical. Yeah, <laughs> those absolutely. things that we get yearly. You <laughs> know, like, oh my gosh, you know, this actually looks under, pops the hood and looks at all your engines, right? And so that's what I like to see is so. Do you need a digestive enzyme? Not everybody does. Awesome. You can make your organs and glands lazy if you hand things down there that it doesn't actually need. It makes your body not want to produce its own because it can do the backstroke. It doesn't need it. <laughs> I love that. Great analogies. Well, it's always having, it's always a pleasure having you on our show. Tell listeners where they can find out more about you. Oh, thanks, Chantel. So I'm at uh, drkeisha.com, D-R-K-E-E-S-H-A.com. Awesome. Well, you are just so smart. Just, just every time I always learn something new. Thanks so much for joining us and being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.